Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Before we get to today's episode, I want you to know that we at Time of Grace have a ton of resources to help you in your walk of faith. From our TV program, to daily devotions, to our Grace Talks video devotions, to podcasts, to our blog, to books, to other books, to still more books, uh, whatever you're looking for and however you best learn, you can stay rooted in Jesus by taking time out for God's word every day. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to sign up for our daily email. Now, onto today's episode. Because when you pick up your cross to follow Jesus, not only do you have honest expectations of life, but you get to follow Jesus. And the early Christians knew whatever this costs us, a, a physical cross or just an emotional one, he's Jesus. So you know Bieber, Tupac, a local pastor, a high-end fashion designer, and motorcycle riders have in common? <laughs> uh, their interest in it, the cross. It's pretty curious, isn't it? Can you think of many other things in life that would unite uh, such a diverse group of people like that? I mean, heartthrob, Teenage boy band style, hardcore gangster rapper, <laughs> throwing up gang signs and dropping all kinds of expletives. Like, it's pretty rare that those all come together, but the cross, it, it actually does. Uh, and that's why today I, I want to slow down just a little bit and think, well, what exactly does that symbol mean? Right, if, if pop stars can use it and gangster rappers can use it and high-end fashion designers love it and gritty guys in motorcycle jackets love it too and local pastors put it on and people have earrings and Pinteresty Christian t-shirts with it, what, what exactly does it, the cross, mean to people? I want to ask you that question today because one of my greatest hopes and one of my greatest fears as a pastor are really closely connected. Uh, one of my greatest hopes is not just that you would come to church, or not just that you would stream online or watch on TV. Um, one of my greatest hopes is not just that I would get to speak words to you and you would hear words from me, or we would read words from a book or sing words in a song. My greatest hope as a pastor that you would not just hear words, but really get words. Which is why today I really want to slow down and think about that word that I love, that Bieber loves, that Tupac loved, that Dolce and Gabbana loves, the word, the cross. Uh, what exactly does that mean? Uh, because I'm absolutely convinced that if you get the cross, like you know what it was, you know what it does, you know what it did, you know what it can do, that God can change you in really profound ways. Uh, and, <laughs> and if you don't get it, uh, you can see it, you can wear it, we can put one up, you, you could even ink it on yourself and miss all the, the power and the comfort and the passion that God intended when his one and only son died on a cross. If you get the cross, uh, you will understand why the words that you speak after church today matter so infinitely much. Uh, if you get the cross, you will understand the kindness and the love and the compassion and the grace 
and the power of God. He will not just be some higher power. He will be your lifeline, your savior, your gracious king, and your everything. Uh, And if you get the cross, you'll really get what's coming ahead of you in your life as a Christian. Uh, You won't be shocked when marriage is difficult. You won't be deeply offended when the world doesn't celebrate and applaud everything that you stand for. Uh, You won't be disillusioned and and kind of bitter at God that life this side of heaven is very difficult. If you grasp what the Bible says about the word cross, uh, all of it will make sense. Like, you'll get you, you'll get God, you'll get life if you get the cross. So, if you can forgive me for keeping it simple today, I want to unpack the cross in three simple parts. Uh, You engineering, organized mental types. Uh, Pay attention here. (laughs) First of all, we're going to talk about the cross. Second, we're going to talk about his cross. And third, we're going to talk about our cross. Let's talk about the cross, crucifixion in general. Let's talk about his cross, the crucifixion of Jesus. And let's talk about our cross that we carry as we follow him. Uh, In Psalm 22, which was a prediction of the coming Savior, King David wrote about the Savior being pierced in his hands and feet, 1000 BC. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it says that the Savior would be pierced for our transgressions, written about 700 BC. And both of those instances come before the first non biblical mention of a cross in 522 BC by the Greek historian Herodotus. In other words, the Bible talks about crucifixion before crucifixion had even been invented. Which is one of the reasons why Christians like me kind of think that the Bible wasn't just written by people. But that's a sermon for another day. Uh, In 522, the Greek historian Herodotus said that the Persians conquered this rebellious ruler. Uh, They killed him. And after he was dead, they nailed him up on a cross. Uh, The first recorded crucifixion in human history. If you fast forward about 500 years, however, to the Romans, uh, you will really understand what the Persians started. Uh, The Roman government used the cross to scare people into submission. Uh, Their goal was not to be nice, not to be humane, not to respect the inherent dignity and human rights of all people. No, the Romans tinkered with the torture of the cross to terrify potential rebels into putting down their swords, bending their knees, and paying their taxes. And so their goal was to make death by crucifixion the most unthinkable, graphic, nauseating, like throw up a little bit in your mouth when you see it and when you grasp it kind of torture so that everyone would be obedient to the Roman Empire. And so here's what they did. Uh, They figured out a way to make a person suffer the worst possible as long as possible. Uh, They normally start by taking a whip or uh, a a stiff rod and beating a man, they they rarely ever did it to a woman, across the shoulders, the back, uh, the buttocks, and the legs. The beating would be so bad that uh, his flesh would, would hang like little ribbons and sometimes he would barely survive. Then they would throw the crossbeam of a cross over his shoulders and make him carry it as his body starts to go into shock out to the the place of crucifixion. And there they would pound nails 
like big railroad spikes right about here and here and uh, somewhere around here. Uh, a scientist, I think in the 1920s, he experimented on dead corpses. Uh, he tried to reenact crucifixion and he figured out that if you put a nail in the center of a palm, like you sometimes see in the, the Bible movies or Jesus pictures, it will just rip through the flesh. And, and so the theory is that when the, the Romans crucified someone, they, they put it here where the bones could hold them up. Uh, and if you just think about that for a moment, like a nail on nerves, the, the rough edges of a railroad spike literally pressing into the bone. Uh, back in 2007, the second archaeological evidence of a crucifixion was discovered. They found like the plate of a man's heel bone right here, and in the middle of it was a perfectly round hole where they believe a nail was smashed right through the bone into the wood of a cross to hold him up. And once the nails were driven through the hands and the feet, you'd be lifted up on a cross. And while we might assume what would kill you would be the loss of blood, it, it wasn't. Uh, what would kill you would be the loss of breath. To ease some of the pain from the nails driven through you, you'd allow your body to slump down, but here, it'd be hard to breathe. And so the only way to get a breath was, was to push, nail on nerve, hoist yourself up, and then slump again. Uh, if you ever experienced shocking pain, you know that your instinct is to hold your breath, right? So, so you had to fight the very natural reaction of your body just to breathe bit by bit by bit by bit by bit until you suffocated, literally, on your own breath. Now, the Romans wanted you to be their public service announcement. And so they experimented with that kind of agony. What would allow a person to suffer the most and the longest? And, and one thing they discovered is if they put a, a small seat kind of beneath your backside, you couldn't slump too far and suffocate too fast. And so it would allow you j just to choke a little bit and survive most of the time from two to three days. Oh, by the way, you'd be stripped totally naked. Uh, the goal was to embarrass and to shame you. Uh, Jesus was most likely crucified in the nude. Now, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus, God in human flesh, humbled himself by become, becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Like, it is mentally almost impossible to wrap your brain around the fact that the God of heaven could walk among us as a human being. What's way more shocking than that is the thought that when God walked among us as a human being, he could be hurt, even killed, even be put to death. And what is a billion times more shocking than that is that God, holy, good, pure, compassionate, loving, kind, humble, everything would die on a cross. That the one and only time in human history when God had a body, it ended up in a place like that. To think of, of Jesus, like, turn the other cheek, Jesus. Love your neighbor, Jesus. Washing feet, Jesus. That, that his 
his human nerves would be pressed by a Roman nail. To, to think of, of Jesus stripped, shamed, spit on, his holy flesh covered in, in human filth. How? A couple years ago, I was uh, leading a, a church service at a Christian college in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it was a, one of those formal kind of churches. They had a big altar up front and they had this beautiful golden cross about this high right on top of the altar. And near the end of the service, I approached the altar, uh, I folded my hands and I started to pray. And at one point, I remember I looked up into the cross and I, I saw my own reflection. Except just because of the way the cross was made, its contours and the metal, I, I saw my own face but it was twisted. It, it was disturbing. It was grotesque. It was a kind of me that I did not like to see and I could only see it when I looked at the cross. And that's what the Bible says about the cross of Jesus. You know, the cross is just some trendy tattoo, church symbol, jewelry, and until you look at it and realize, I, I did that to God. And all the things that we tend to say to ourselves, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not, nobody's perfect. Sorry, I'm not Jesus. It, it, it just stops making sense. Like, can you imagine if you were there on that day? And there's, there's Jesus. And he's, he's gasping. And he's dying. He's just thrown up on himself. And you say, hey, nobody's perfect, right? But when you see his cross, it, 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 it just hits you, like right in the soul. It, like it's, it's that bad. It's that bad. When, when I try to get what I want in marriage, it's that bad. It, if Jesus had to die for my sins and that's what it took, then sin, my, my sin, is that bad? And, and so today, I just want to give you about 30 seconds with God. Uh, I want you to just stare at that cross and, and just think. Right? Let, let it hit you. Let, let your imagination go back to that place where it's not just some, some church symbol, some decoration, but see See God there and think about what it means if God died on a cross. And while you're looking at the cross, don't miss one last thing. The most amazing love in the whole universe. <laughs> this morning, I had, a, I had a cup of coffee with a guy who's reading the Bible for the first time and we talked, we talked about sin 
And it was like he, he was seeing it for the first time, his, his self, his struggle, his sin. I told him about Jesus, God going to a cross for it. And his, his just gut emotional reaction was, wow, that is the kindest thing. I said, yeah, I know. Like you, you would think lightning bolts would come down to heaven if we did that to God's one and only son. Instead, no, the love of God and the patience of God and the beauty of God. Jesus, as God, could have pushed pause on the power of gravity. He could have stopped all of it, but he didn't. And the Bible says this is the reason why, because of his love. Because your mama might have loved you. Your daddy might have loved you. Your significant other might say they love you, but no one in history, no one in the universe has loved you like that. And that's what you will know if you get the cross. The other day, I looked up every single passage that mentioned the word, the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, let me machine gun at you what I learned. I learned this. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, he was pierced for our transgressions and by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus Christ wounded at the cross, he healed us. No more shame, no more eternal spiritual wound. Everything that was broken, wounded, bleeding between us and God, it's healed. The New Testament said this, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He bore them. That means you and I don't have to carry them. We don't have to drag them along. We don't have to define ourselves by them. He, he took them and he was pierced for them on the cross. And then Paul jumped in, in the joy. He said, Jesus canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Took it away. No more guilt. No more going into God's courtroom with fear and trembling. No, 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 that's all gone because as Paul would go on to say, God made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Anyone who believes in the cross of Jesus has, like, has this, peace with God. I'm okay. We're okay. It's going to be okay because of the cross. And if that weren't enough, I'll give you one more. Paul said, to us who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. Put it all together. Through the cross, we have peace. We have healing. We have forgiveness. We have sins taken away. There's no condemnation. There's more peace. There's salvation. There's power. That is what is loaded into the word, the cross. And that's why we preach it. That, that's why we sing it. That's why we post it. That's why we ink it. That's why we wear it. That is why we cling to it. That's why we will never let go of it. And that, friends, is why we love the cross of Jesus Christ. Through the cross of Jesus, you and I are alive we skip down the street knowing that we are forgiven and there's nothing in all of creation that can change that simple fact. So, get a tattoo after church is done. <laughs> Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> Let Tupac inspire you. I don't know what you got to do, but I know this. You will never, ever, ever, ever regret getting as close to the cross as you can. Uh, makes me think of Pizza Ranch. Uh, uh, some of you know the story. Of, uh, a few years ago, I'm sitting at a pizza ranch with my little kids, and uh, I noticed this young woman in the booth next to me with this little cross tattoo behind her ear and the words, not for sale. And being curious and being an extrovert, I said, what does that mean? She said, you got time to talk? 
So a few days later, she, she came to church and she told me the almost unbelievable story. Uh, that she had grown up in Australia and tragically had been trafficked. And for years, she had been bought and sold and bought and sold by very, very twisted men. And then, in a kind of escape that could only be God, she got a secret internet account, met a Christian man in America who orchestrated her escape from sex trafficking. He, he saved her from that life. And the man knew Jesus. And he told her about the cross. About a God that can save you from shame. A God who can make you believe you are worthy and beautiful. A God who can make you believe that you have value and an eternal future. He told her about the cross of Jesus Christ. And so she ran to get her tattoo. A little cross. And the words, not for sale. I've been bought at the cross of Jesus Christ. And the only Lord, the only owner, the only master, the only king I have is the king of love who gave his life for me on a cross. Uh, Jesus spoke these shocking words in Mark chapter 8 to his closest friends. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their the cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. <laughs> when you don't get to do what you want, you don't get to say what you want, you don't get to just embrace what you feel. When there are desires and words and thoughts and goals within you that you must deny, Jesus said, it will feel like a crucifixion, Right? And some of you get this. You just want to go off on people. You want to drink. You have sexual desires. There are things that you think about the authorities, about your parents, about your ex. And to not do those things, it feels like death, doesn't it? It's agonizing. It's excruciating. But don't be shocked by it. Because when you pick up your cross to follow Jesus, not only do you have honest expectations of life, but you get to follow Jesus. And the early Christians knew whatever this costs us, a, a physical cross or just an emotional one, he's Jesus. And if he would go to a cross for a sinner like me, he's worth it. So I'll leave you with this question. How, how good must heaven be? If Jesus said, I'll make you the best trade in the world, uh, you pick up a cross every day and I'll give you God. <laughs> I love that thought. How, how good must God be? <sighs> to, to just see his face for a second. How, how, how good must he be? If all the drama of life, all the stuff that we go through, all the, the persecution of the Christian church, all the desires that you fight every day, if the second you see the face of God through his son, Jesus Christ, if it's all worth it, if you break out in song and sing, holy, 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 and worthy, 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 dream with me for a second, how, how good, how good must God be? The Old Testament said it like this, God, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Okay. Give me three years of all expense paid vacation. 
<laughs> it is not nearly as good as one day in the courts of God, in the presence of God, seeing the face of God. So brothers and sisters, I say this to you, suffer well. It is worth it. Don't flip out. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Loving people is hard. Putting God first is difficult. It feels like a crucifixion, but it is not in vain. And one day when you see his face, you'll believe it. That's the cross. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, um, I, I think that I love people in my life. I think of what I would suffer for them and I, I can't wrap my brain around that level of, of pain that you willingly went through. Jesus, as God, you could have flown off the cross, you could have ripped out the nails and fought the whole Roman Empire by yourself, but you didn't. Uh, you, you sat there. You restrained your power. You humbled yourself and died on a cross. Uh, Lord, that hits us deeply and it moves us profoundly. I thank you for a kind of love like this world has never seen. I thank you that that message has traveled through 2,000 years and reached us today. And, and now I pray after this word, God, that every time we see it, we think of it. We unload that word and what we find in the end is the pure weight of your love, your kindness, and your glory. Father, may the cross strip us of any belief that we're just fine on our own. Uh, if this is the price of sin, then we are not. But even more, Heavenly Father, as we stare at the cross and fix our eyes upon it, may we believe for the rest of our lives that we are so profoundly loved that we would never need anything in this world from anyone. Uh, Jesus, you said it might be a tough road ahead. Uh, every day we're going to have to pick up our own cross as we follow you. But I dream of that day when I see your face. <laughs> uh, I've looked into the face of my daughters and my wife and my friends and felt such joy and they're people. What will happen, Jesus, when we see your divine face? And because of the cross and the wounds that we see in your hands and feet, there, there's no disappointment or anger there. There is just love. We ache for that day, God. But we will see that day. The cross of Jesus Christ is the reason that we are alive. So God, today we put all of our hopes, our goals, our dreams, our wealth in the cross. Uh, we know that we have it and nothing can change it. So thank you for unfailing love. We pray this all, Jesus, through your name, through your blood, through your cross. And all God's people who agreed, they said, amen. Just what is truth? How do we know what to do if we're not even sure what's true anymore? In today's culture, we're told to be true to ourselves. But what if my truth is different from your truth? In a world drowning in personal opinions, half-truths, intellectual arguments, and blatantly biased news feeds, Jesus invites us to find solid ground to stand on in the unchanging truth of God's word. The world doesn't need Christians to win arguments on cultural issues. It needs us to share the truth of God's word lovingly because Jesus says that truth will set people free. We want to help you by sending you our newest book, Truth in Our Time. In this book, Dr. Paul Kelm, a contributing writer for Time of Grace, confronts common lies and half-truths, such as, it's my body, I can do what I want with it. You owe it to yourself to do what makes you happy. 
You have to learn to love yourself. Truth in Our Time is our way of thanking you for your financial support. Request yours when you give by calling 800-661-3311. Visit timeofgrace.org. Write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin 53201 to give today. Grace doesn't end here. Visit timeofgrace.org and explore encouraging resources or sign up for our daily email and have everything delivered right to your inbox. Like our Grace Moments devotions, Grace Talks devotional videos, blog, and podcasts. Follow us on social media where you'll find a supportive Christian community. If you need prayer, give us a call and let us know what's on your heart. Thank you so much for your support. See you next week on Time of Grace.